Yes, I put LaCroix on a gra- gra- grass glass. Grass well, glass. You, like that, that is, uh, that's very fancy. For, I just you know. bought it at Starbucks before this. So, you know, oh. listen. Not Starbucks, Target. I was going to say, why would Man. you buy LaCroix at Starbucks? I don't know, but we are starting off really well for the Guy at the Movies podcast with Joe and Sean. I am Joe. He is Sean. Sean, how are you? Hello, Peter. <laughs> Hello, see, Peter. <laughs> That was the greatest thing. I didn't see it coming. <laughs> uh, we, of course, are talking about the Spider-Man No Way Home trailer, which I keep calling Spider-Man Far From Home. So that's going to be a lot of fun tonight because I never mess up. Um, so we will talk about that in a little bit. Uh, but before we get started, some housekeeping. This is uh, our 60th episode. We just keep hitting these milestones, you know? The only reason this is a milestone, I like the number. Tens of the new milestones. Um, we are going to get into some talk about, yes, the trailer, but also what we've been watching this week and then some news. We do have some late breaking news that we will get to. Uh, and unfortunately, things are not looking good for the fall of cinema. That can be taken two ways. <laughs> so work. We'll leave it at that. <laughs> um, all right. First and foremost, let's get to the Spider-Man No Way Home trailer. After a lot of asking of where it's going to be, Kevin Feige at one point saying there wasn't going to be a trailer and then saying, God, can we just enjoy what we have right now with Shang-Chi coming out and the Eternals? Everyone's like, no, 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 please give us uh, Spider-Man. We finally got Spider-Man. It did leak the day before, which was interesting, but it was like the unfinished version. Um, So it was, I think it was, if I remember, because I saw like 20 seconds of it, um, it was a cell phone that was filmed <laughs> with an unfinished version. It was really great. Um, but it was pretty much the exact thing that we saw that night, uh, last night. So, Sean, a couple things that were confirmed in this trailer. Uh, it, this is a spoiler in a sense, but you, it, I mean, I'm assuming that if you're listening to us, you're caught up on all these movies. Um, it looks like Green Goblin is back. Looks like Doc Ock, well, Doc Ock is back. Uh, this is, of course, the rumored multiverse explosion movie that's kind of like Into the Spider-Verse where we'll get Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield back. Um, I want Spider-Ham. If we don't get a live-action Spider-Ham in here, I'm going to be pissed. But it's all... captured by John Mulaney. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, or Sean Gunn. Who knows? Um, <laughs> Sean Gunn does that all the time. Uh, it also looks like they're setting up the Sinister Six. So in addition to those two, uh, we have what looks like potentially Lizard in there, but people have been debating that it's Venom. That doesn't make sense to me. I think it's Lizard. Um, there's a clip that looks like Sandman is doing his thing. And then there's, of course, the electric blast slash lightning, which looks like Electro. So that's five of the six. Whoever the six would be, I don't know. Um, but people went nuts, Sean. Did you go nuts? Um, I, I'm excited for this. I obviously have like a passion for this. Um, I, uh, consider myself someone who just absolutely thinks Spider-Man two is the best Spider-Man. So Doc Ock returning is like truly magnificent. Um, I, w- I, I kind of looked at this as, Hey, there's a trailer. There was not much that like held a lot of excitement for me. Um, like within it, cause everyone had the reaction. Like we just spoofed the reactions to Doc Ock showing up and, it was one of those things where it's like, oh, yeah, the guy that, like, has already been, like, confirmed to show up is showing up. I mean, if they never, like, said anything, it would have been interesting. It would have been a little bit more exciting. But all of this has already uh, spilled out. Um, one of the issues with Spider-Man movies in the past have been too many villains. So 
it's going to be interesting how they try to balance this. Yep. Um, I also, you know, with the, like the only ones I have confirmed there are Doc Ock and Green Goblin. Um, like, cause everyone like see, like they, they saw like some dust and they're like Sandman. It's <laughs> <laughs> like Bolt of Lightning, elect- Electro Analysis or whatever his name is. And um, just Electro. <laughs> <laughs> I had it. <laughs> I could have stopped. Um, and it's one of those things where I'm so excited for this. I'm so happy for it, but the reaction started to get to me, which is unfair of the movie, but the trailer reactions did start to get to me. One of the big ones were, um, which we're going to, you know, probably talk about now is the debate between uh, like, you know, what's going on with uh, Dr. Strange and how did he mess up the spell or why did he do the spell or anything like that? I will say this right now. You, this is the side of the debate I land on. We have not seen the movie yet. Yeah. We do not know. There were a lot of edits in that scene. I mean, a lot of edits. So we don't know actually what happened. And that's the point of that is there, this is a trailer where it's like, oh, he, you know, the spell screws up and they open the multiverse. That's all we need to know so far. But people have written now think pieces about uh, Strange and how he, she, he should lose his PhD as a surgeon uh, because of this. <laughs> and it's just one, like I, 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 I love the idea of this. Um, we're going to be opening up a multiverse again, even though it's already been opened up, which is, you know, I know Marvel has their plan, so I'm not worried about them, but it's interesting that it's opening up in several different situations. Um, I, but I'm, I'm still excited for the movie. It's just that this was not a great trailer for me. Everyone else in the world thinks this is the greatest trailer for me. It didn't totally get me excited, but that's because I know everything about it already in terms of the characters and the surprises. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I mean, I I think we've talked about this in the past. I've had concerns about this movie just because they're doing a lot. They have set it up to be a lot. Um, so there's, number one, it's the balance of all the characters that potentially can be in it. And you hit the nail on the head there. The problem with previous Spider-Man movies has been they've tried to do too much and had too many villains. Um, Spider-Man 3 fell into that trap. I'm hoping that we don't get there uh, with this. But, you know, we have we have that. Uh, happening. We have that concern. I also am concerned that we're, this is now kind of like the third multiverse opening in a sense, the reason. And so in saying that I'm referencing WandaVision and the end uh, where she's kind of like doing her thing and she hears, you know, her kids. Uh, The other one being in Loki, obviously when um, variant Kang really opened it up, (laughs) really opens it up. Um, so I saw someone put like that moment from WandaVision over the moment from Kang or variant Kang and Loki where he's like and knows and like realizes what's <laughs> happening to when Doctor Strange does this. I also have a problem with like Doctor Strange fucking up a spell because Peter was talking to him. <laughs> we don't know. I'm going to stick with this. I'm with we you. don't know. <laughs> I'm totally with you. And that's why the trailer didn't do too much. Like, it got me excited. Don't get me wrong. Super excited for this. People are going to probably be pissed off that I'm saying this, but <laughs> I'm very excited for it. Um, not nearly as excited as some of our friends were on YouTube and Instagram last night. Chris from Filmstock was like having a coronary all the way up until it. Uh, and he was hilarious. So shout out to him. Check him out. Um, Austin from Birkinator, Austin Burke was absolutely hilarious watching his as well. Um, there were some other individuals that were great. Darren was texting me about like, oh my God, I think he tried, he like ran from the dinner table from like family dinner or something and got in trouble. Um, and then if you watch like Brad Lambert and soups, I think they're the ones that are all over. Um, I think I sent you that like soups is just like losing his mind. 
And I think they're now like trending number nine on YouTube or something because of that. <laughs> like it was highly entertaining. And I'm really pumped for all those people that continue to put out great content around this stuff because this is the lifeblood. Like Marvel has given them sort of that push to you know do these trailer reactions and really excites people because it's always been, I mean, what, we're 24 movies in. Um, 25 movies in 24, 25, 25, 26. I don't know, but we're a lot of movies yourself. Yeah, <laughs> we're a lot of movies in. Um, and uh, well, Shang Chi isn't even out officially, yeah. but uh, you know, we we're still seeing some quality. So I'm excited to see where they go with it. Um, I have also the hesitation that Sony's in charge of this. Mm. Sony is also trying to launch their own stuff here. Of course, we know like more uh, Morbius is coming. <laughs> which we'll talk about in a little bit. Who knows when, but Morbius is coming. We have Venom coming. Um, we have uh, Craven the Hunter coming down the road. So there's a lot of stuff going on. And those are going to be the more interesting ones because this one does is like is an MCU movie, feels like an MCU movie. We go to Morbius and it's, you know, yeah, it's got like a, a bit of like one toe into the MCU universe. Redundancy again, apologies. But uh, like into the MCU. But for the most part, that feels like something controlled by Sony. Um, and so it just feels like there can be a lot of disconnect that happens, um, which can get strange. But in strange, there we go. Um, but with this one, um, I don't know. I, I, I look forward to it. I think this trailer does feel a little bit like, as you were saying before, it does feel a little bit unfinished. Like where I feel like there's going to be a little bit more gloss in the uh, in the CGI because there there are moments where I said to myself, "Wait a minute, this feels like they rushed it a little." <laughs> I do think that they kind of rushed it a little bit. People have been like, someone was online arguing with me about the fact that. Um, you know, this is what Marvel always does. It's like three months out and da, da 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 I was like, okay, whatever. They clearly wanted to hit CinemaCon. I think that was a great way for them to get the word out. So I'm totally fine with, you know, the fact that they aimed for that. Um, I don't know that it was unfinished as much as I just get worried that we don't know what good CGI is anymore. Um, because That's also true. Yeah. The, the number of times that I have said, that it the, the CGI didn't look good. And like Shang-Chi, I said it a little bit, and then the more I think about it, I'm like, I don't know. Like, what, what do we expect when it's a giant, uh, the cultural icon of a lion, tiger, liger? You know, like, what, what do we expect from that? Like, they don't exist. What do we expect when there's, like, a dragon in, this, in the lake? You know, like... <laughs> That's the, uh, the greatest... Uh, bar, uh, Pete Holmes had this in his stand-up where they're just like, you know, he went to see the Hulk movie and it's like, oh, that movie was terrible. The Hulk looked fake. I'm like, the Hulk is fake. <laughs> it's actually fake. <laughs> That's like when people say certain things are unbelievable. I'm like, you're watching the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But um, <laughs> I'm guilty of that, too. Sean, we have some late-breaking news here. Oh, Speaking of Sony and its movies, we have a new name for Sony's sect of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. You may remember it was originally called Spump. <laughs> Spump. <laughs> it was the Sony Pictures Universe of Marvel characters. It is now known as Sony's Spider-Man Universe. So there we go. <laughs> Breaking news. All the important stuff here. Sony's Spider-Man Universe. That's just wonderful. Like truly, yeah. it has a great ring to it. SSMU. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah. great place to study Spider-Man. Feige was like, just simplify it, you assholes. <laughs> <laughs> MCU is all I, like, come on, do something like that. <laughs> <laughs> it is absolutely insane. But um, 
we will continue to watch for what's going on with Marvel. I, I have to say one other thing, and this is kind of going to get onto uh, a little bit of a tangent potentially. Um, but the one thing that's really frustrating me is Shang-Chi comes out September 3rd, and we just got the first full trailer for the Eternals, which is coming out in November. Um, I believe last week. So within a week, we basically have Eternals trailer, big Eternals trailer, Shang-Chi, and now this. And I just worry that they're doing a lot at once. Uh, it concerns me because I don't want Shang-Chi to be overshadowed. I don't think it will be. It's got a great Rotten Tomatoes score. And, you know, as Rotten Tomatoes goes, so goes the world. Um, but I also then worry about Eternals because Eternals has the potential. Number one, it looks beautiful. It looks absolutely beautiful. And uh, I'm extremely excited for the cast to kind of get their due here because it's a big it's a big cast. And it potentially, I mean, it is going to explore something that we haven't seen when it comes to the Deviants and the Celestials. Um, I just, I, I don't know. I, I worry about that. I feel like everyone is going back to Old Faithful here. They're looking at Spider-Man and they're like, all right, well, that's, that's what we're pumped for. And they're not going to give the others a fair shake. I would say with that, um, it's... They did. They did the Spider-Man trailer. Possibly. I, on on one hand, I still think there is a chance that they literally pushed the Spider-Man trailer immediately. Like they cut something together. They said, "Oh my god," because not even like from the effects standpoint, it doesn't like look right to me. There's something about it that doesn't look right. So they really didn't get like you know the graphics right away. They 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 released this as fast as possible. That's one theory I have. The other theory could be that we're looking at Shang Chi. We're looking at the Eternals. We don't know anything about either of those properties. Comic book people do, of course, but someone like me who loves the Marvel movies will like, or you know, is interested in all of them, uh, knows nothing about those. So possibly this Spider-Man trailer was released to just get excited about Marvel properties again, and hopefully it doesn't get lost no. in the shadow like you're thinking. But you know, I I, I worry about uh, the Eternals. I mean, it's good. It's going to be very interesting. The audience the Eternals is for because. It's the Marvel audience, but then it's directed by Chloe Zhao. <laughs> just like it's like, oh, Nomadland, I love that. Let me see the. Oh my god, what the hell's going on? <laughs> so, um, I don't know. It, it, it's going to be interesting to see the way these two films are received. But I think that was the drama of excitement for Spider-Man. Is there a potential that in this Spider-Man movie? we're not seeing Doctor Strange, but we're actually seeing Agatha Harkness as Doctor Strange because they both wink. You have a you have a wonderful theory on your TikTok. Let's, let's advertise your TikTok right now. As you have edited together the winks of Agatha all along and Doctor Strange, and gotta be honest, pretty solid. Can I tell you, I listened to Agatha all along approximately like seventeen times today. Not even close to surprise. <laughs> it's a banger, and there's a lot of like techno remixes and stuff. And I was like responding to like student emails, being like several Spotify versions. Just like I could see like this coursing down in the search history, coursing down like a coursing river. Ah, yes. Is that a segue? Uh, no, but that is not a segue. Um, but anything more that I think we need to talk about with Spider-Man, I, uh, there's a lot more to be seen again. This is a trailer. It's two minutes of what's probably going to be a loaded movie. Uh, there was talk, there's, um, sort of a voiceover at one point and people were wondering if that was going to be, um, or if that was James Franco, but I don't think, I, I don't think Marvel's going anywhere near James Franco right now. Um, <laughs> I mean, 
you don't want him in there for several reasons. One of them is that, you know, like Harry, what was he, the Hobgoblin eventually, or Harry Osborn wasn't a great villain really, like when it came down to it. He was a villain in the third one, which, well, they're bringing Sam out and never mind. So they, they are bringing some back, but um, <laughs> they, they kind of want to separate from the third as much as possible. Well, that was also like before uh, everyone knew how crazy he was, <laughs> <That dude. laughs> like as that an dude. individual. <laughs> yeah. So someone that might have really good uh, input in terms of how excited they are for this movie would be Darren of Darren's Movie Review. Hi, Darren. Hey, how's it going? Oh, wonderful. How are you doing? Surprise, I'm here. (laughs) (laughs) Surprise. Um, Darren, we just talked ad nauseum about the Spider-Man trailer, but I know you were excited. You like flipped your dinner table to get to the computer or something. Pretty much, yeah. I ran from the table, and the family's like, "We're not done yet." I'm like, "Well, I'm done my food. What do you mean I have to wait another three minutes to <laughs> finish your dinner?" <laughs> Darren, Darren goes back to like preteen days. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, Darren, what did you think of it? It's what I expected. Like, we have all these crazy rumors about what's going to happen, but there was no way they were showing everything in the trailer. We got hints of all the villains. We may have saw Charlie Cox's Daredevil there in oh, one yeah, shot. I, I heard about that, yeah. I heard, I didn't see it in my watches, but I heard that Lizard was apparently in one of the shots and kind of a reflection. So I think we've got enough of a hint of what's coming. My big shock, as we were talking about earlier, Joe, was the Doctor Strange thing. What's up with that? We were all thinking with, yeah, wink, yeah, maybe it's Agatha. <laughs> but we all thought it was Doctor Strange, you know, coming to clean up the mess. And here's the trailer going, oh, no, he created the mess. So, like, shit's going to hit the fan really quick. <laughs> Such a different direction than we've all been theorizing, yeah. which I think is absolutely hilarious. You mentioned Daredevil. That's absolutely correct. I forgot to mention that as well. One other thing is there's a leak going around. And if you don't like leaks and don't look at it, but there's a picture that looks like it's a set picture with Andrew Garfield in his suit. Um, and potentially Tobey Maguire there. It looks like the bridge scene. Um, it's all blue screen and then metal. My concern is that we're only going to get them for five minutes and that everyone's going to like lose their shit. Yeah. It's like an but, ending thing with the two of them, like, you know, like coming out of like a, like Rick and Morty's portal gun. And like, just, <laughs> <laughs> it's just yeah. there they are. And Rick and Morty. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. She'll throw them in. <laughs> Why not? All right. Well, Darren, you um, are not privy to the outline, so this will be fun for you. (laughs) I'll share share it with you while we're talking. Um, But let's start talking about what we've been watching. And the first, uh, we're going to have some interesting discussions around this one. Oh, you you liked this. Oh, yeah. Darren did. Darren liked it. Yeah, we're going to talk now. This is good. I I like this. Reminiscence. Yeah. Hugh Jackman's newest movie film noir if you will even though i'm so tired of reading that um (laughs) i did not care for this movie at all i will say you know we were talking about cgi sean um Mm. i love the graphics in this i thought it was beautiful Mm -hmm. um very impressed with that the the rest of it i was so bored there was like 10 minutes where i was like okay i can get into this here we go but hugh jackman's character was so pompous and it just was not interesting to me um the dialogue was poor throughout it was very i I don't want to say juvenile but it was it was basic um and you know people go well that's film noir like it's that type of dialogue and that type of thing film noir does not equal bad uh so i think like that's not an excuse to say it's film noir you can do that pretty well 
uh, and it was not done well here. But Sean, your thoughts? Yeah, I'm going to go in a little bit of a defense of this movie, even though I didn't like it that much either. Um, I, I will first like go with you on this. The graphics were like stupendous. Um, the production design, like it's it's something where I just really hope it has a late breaking Oscar nomination. I doubt it will, but that production design was truly magnificent. Um, and uh, now let me go into like the defense that I have for this, where it's like the film noir. You're right; doesn't necessarily mean bad. It does always sort of mean that there's a tortured lead character who can grace the abilities to be an asshole at times. And I think Hugh Jackman touched that very interestingly. Um, I think it, the problem with me is that this movie really slowed quite a bit um, toward its end. Although I still loved the, and you're, you're, you are despising the words film noir, but the film noir structure where it's got, it's got Hugh Jackman as like the Sam Spade character tortured, trying to find someone that like he only like seen once. And so like, you know, only loved once and that's it. Um, but, uh, and that is Rebecca Ferguson who does great as the femme fatale. And then finally you have the best friend who is now, and I love that this pronunciation is happening. Tandaway Newton. Um, who used to be Tandy Newton. Uh, that's such a cool, like I saw that in the credits and freaked out and had to ask Sam what was going on. And I love that the name has essentially been changed back like to, to that. That was a really cool moment, um, even though it was the credits. Uh, but she plays the great like best friend of like, you know, there's always, it's always someone who's a little bit more like bookish, the bookish lady there. And so in this, she's a little bit more uh, badass. She's a little bit more self-assured. Um, and I loved like how they drew up those characters. But God, did this movie slow towards the end. Uh, there was a fight scene, and I should never be bored during a fight scene. And <laughs> there was moments where I was just bored during this fight scene, and it was really difficult. And I, I'm bummed about it because I think this movie could have been better. I think uh, Lisa Joy, uh, the director and writer um, <clears throat> on Westworld as well, uh, has like a lot of like great potential. And um, I, I wish this could have gone better. I think it was a very, very intense, um, ambitious project that, you know, sort of fell in the story a little bit. But that, that was my main issue with it. My favorite line from the entire movie was, <laughs> set of lines was, what are these? They're reminiscences. <laughs> <laughs> I will say the, the dialogue, including the narration, is straight up made out of fortune cookies. <laughs> the memory can only be seen in your past if you ever see the past of your memories of your past. They didn't eat the fortune cookie. Like you're supposed to eat half of it, then read your fortune, then eat the rest. That's the proper way to do it. <laughs> what? <laughs> Wait, how does he? <laughs> Just so you know. <laughs> I don't, I don't know if that's well known, but I, I, I consider myself less cultured, or I consider myself more cultured now than I was five minutes ago. And we, I truly we deliver that. it all here at the guy of the movies podcast with Joe and Sean. All right, uh, so Darren, Darren, you thought this was the best film of the year? Let us know. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> no, not the best of the year, but I had a lot of fun with it. Just out of curiosity, I know Joe, you watched it on HBO Max. Did you watch it as well on HBO Max, Sean? Yeah, that, yeah, is that okay. part of the problem? <laughs> I don't know. I'm just curious. I saw it in theaters since we don't have HBO Max up here in Canada. And then with the whole Disney thing happening, they've removed rentals of the new Warner Brothers movies, starting with Suicide Squad. So we had to only see it in theaters. So I think it was wondering if it's a different experience. Because as you both said, like the visuals of the film are great. You get sucked into that world. The production design, I was just stunned with how the noir look, but how they just mixed in little bits of the sci-fi, whether it was the machines or a car, but it just looked stunning to look at. So you were sucked in there. The dialogue was not great. I will give it that. Like it was a little rough, but I think 
Lisa Joy, this is like her kind of, she's only directed one episode of Westworld before this. Like she's in the writers going from, you know, they had their five season plan for Westworld here. She's trying to do something that ambitious in a under two hour movie and do it all herself. So like, I think there's potential for her as a director and writer for film. This wasn't the slam dunk, but I was pretty entertained for the most part. And I will say I did watch it at like 1045 on Friday night. And I had like a coke coursing through my veins to keep me awake. So I didn't <laughs> fall asleep. So the fact I didn't fall asleep meant it had to be good <laughs> because I will fall asleep in a movie that late. But um, the performances I thought were really strong with what they had to work with. So I was kind of sucked in. You kept seeing kind of the inception Blade Runner influences yeah. on the film where it fell apart for me was when they tried to bring in their social commentary into the film, about what had happened in this world. It's like, Oh, that's interesting. We get two throwaway lines, right. no development of that. It's like, you could have cut that made it 10 minutes shorter and it would have been stronger as a result. But you didn't want to hear about the water wars more. <laughs> like, no. literally, like, the waters rise. We went to war. And then it's like, you served. Yes, I served too. We all served. And then it was like, okay. Like when the guy shoots to the left of him, when he was going to shoot him in the head and he's like, you served. Next yeah. time I won't miss. I was like, oh, God, help me. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm totally with you there. I also was getting strong minority report vibes. Obviously, mm -hmm. like reverse minority report in a little bit, but, uh, <laughs> you know, kind of uh, fascinating there. Um, Darren, you revealed something to me in talking about this, uh, about another movie that you very much enjoyed. And I need to hear why. You gave a 10 out of 10 to Tomorrowland. <laughs> Sean, your reaction. Because <laughs> Darren, what he said, I yeah, I really enjoyed it. I also gave a 10 out of 10 to Tomorrowland. So <laughs> we all have our movies. <laughs> so yeah, Tomorrowland's a good one. Yeah. Like with Tomorrowland, like Disney did so much promotion before the film with all their material online. So all the reading, there is books. And I kind of dove into all that. So I knew everything that wasn't discussed in the film that filled in all the gaps. So I think for me, I had that kind of bigger picture view of the film, which made me love it. But I, I'm well aware everyone hates that movie. <laughs> the movie that just drove Brad Bird back into animation. Yes. <laughs> not direct real people anymore. <laughs> oh, man. Well, it's okay. We all have our movies. Um, Sean didn't like Vivo very much, uh, and I'm not going to grill him on that. But um, we should. Yeah. No. <laughs> See, I, I thought it was a lovely average movie. Let's, you know, there we go. <laughs> well, I'm not a big musical guy. That's what I realized. Except for In the Heights, he loved In the Heights. Well, I don't know. Like the music was weird in Vivo. Like it just it didn't it was, fit. It was inconsistent. It, yes, like, that's, yeah. Like, totally with you there. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but there are some bangers there. Oh, yeah. Oh, God, yeah. Oh, the music was lovely, yeah. Um, all right. Let's talk about other stuff that we've been watching real quick. I want to talk about We Need to Do Something. It was a film that I missed at a previous uh, – I think it was at Tribeca, and I missed it. I watched the screener of it last week. Have not written my full review yet. Um, but this is a horror-ish film where a family that's seeking shelter from a storm – uh, ends up trapped for days and there's no rescue and there's something evil lurking behind the walls. It really takes place all in um, a bathroom. <laughs> uh, Vanessa Shaw, if, if you're familiar with that name from Hocus Pocus, is in this as the mother. So that's where we're at in our lives. Okay. Um, it, 
so it's called we need to do something and all i kept thinking was you need to do something i was very bored in a lot of this movie it's interesting what it tries to do it tries to explore the family dynamic here um kind of a little bit of a um amityville horror type feel in terms of like you know going crazy a little bit um it just it tried to do a little it tried to do too much but didn't do it do what it did well if that makes sense um it's it's worth I think seeing it just doesn't really come together the way that I was hoping it would, um, but it was nice to see Vanessa Shaw back. Um, it's a it's a five four person cast five person cast so it's really just a small production. Um, yeah, wasn't really into it. <laughs> yeah, it seems like a it seems like a bottle bottle episode of a TV show. Like, it, it really kind of was in a way like. It, it's like a weird episode. It's like a more mature episode of Goosebumps from back in the day. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, yeah. It was a lovely TV show. <laughs> yeah. Um, Sean, how about you? Uh, so, um, I saw... Oh, God help me. This was a rough week for me in movies. Uh, I saw Sweet Girl. Um, and I saw Sweet Girl. as a Netflix movie. And uh, I said, you know what? Jason Momoa. I love Jason Momoa. Aquaman, greatest movie of all time. Like it's, it's like I'm I'm ready for this. Uh, like I'm ready to like you know see you know maybe maybe it's like garbage crime like you know that kind of deal. Um, and boy was this bad. And it wasn't bad until the uh, the twist ending. Um, and it might have it, it like it negates everything. It makes the rest of the film just ridiculous. Um, it is truly uh, truly like. Like, oh, God, a, a, a horrid film because of the end. Before that, it was like a fine, fun little action movie. Momoa is doing his thing. It's pretty solid. Um, oh, man, her name. I know it, but I can't pronounce it. Um, Isabel. Isabel. Yeah. Um, and uh, she's great as well. Uh, she was uh, the live action door of the Explorer. Um, that's, how, that's how I always like uh, attack her. Um, and <laughs> attack her? Uh, I don't know. Like, mention her. Describe her. Like, what? <laughs> Isabel Merced, right? Uh, yes, yes, good. <laughs> now I got that. Uh, and uh, it 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 was great. It was a fun little father daughter action movie. And then the twist happens, and it's just absolutely like you're you're screaming at the TV at that. And then also thirty minutes after that, still happen. And I'm just like, okay, so now you know you, you got a Bruce Willis this where you know you twist and you get out, go like get get moving. But oh man. Really, really, uh, it was really tough stuff. But um, I would say, you know, for for the love of God, don't see it. But I want uh, Joe to see it so he, that he texts me. Uh, <laughs> he texts me <laughs> at the moment. And he just is pissed. So I mentioned before that there's certain movies, like when you get screeners of stuff <laughs> late in the game and it the <laughs> embargo is in the middle of the night uh, on the morning that it opens um, – you know that there's a problem with it. And I got Sweet Girl late and just didn't have time to watch it and then saw when the embargo was and I was like, I'm not even, I can't do this. <laughs> so that's where we're at. Darren, what have you been watching? I had a slow weekend for movies. I only watched five, which was unlike me, but I watched <laughs> 12 episodes of television. So I think that's why. Um, I binged The White Lotus. So that was a lot of fun. Um, I watched... The entire second season of His Dark Materials, which is on HBO Max. So if you haven't seen that, check out that show if you like fantasy. Um, but the one I want to talk about is Nine Perfect Strangers, which is the new Hulu show with Nicole Kidman, <laughs> Melissa McCarthy, and crew who all had a fun time quarantining together in Australia before making their TV show. 
Um, anyway, I'm going to stop you there because, in fairness, the crew of the White Lotus also had fun in Hawaii during right. quarantine. Maybe. Fair, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's fair. Yeah, but it wasn't Nicole Kidman's multi-million dollar mansion, so it's a good point. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I have you guys seen it yet? Or I've started to watch it. Yeah, started to watch it. Okay, I won't give away too much spoilers, but it's from the same. It's based on a book from the same author of Big Little Lies. You got. Nicole Kidman, David E. Kelly producing. So this is just their train up. Let's pick another book adapted into a mini series. And I'm pretty impressed so far. I'd read the book and I was not the biggest fan of the book. It had a good idea, but in 300 pages, it rushed through the nine day resort retreat. The first five days and like 150 pages with 50 of that being the arrivals. Like it was just very quick and I'm really enjoying the show. It's taking time to break down the characters the performances I'm pretty impressed with, especially Melissa McCarthy, just proves what a great actress she is when her husband is not involved in the project. Thank Get out of my head. Yeah. I was just about to say that. Yeah. No, no, he does show up. He does show up. It's it's a good laugh, but he's not creatively involved, so we're safe. We're good. Yeah, he's not behind the yeah. camera. Oh, thank God. No, writing anything involved whatsoever. He was probably just quarantining with them, and they went, oh, we need someone to play this role. Can you zoom in for two seconds? <laughs> a superhero in the uh, last episode I heard. (laughs) Gosh, don't say that. (laughs) I heard it was a little bit of a mess of a show. Do you feel that way? You said you've been enjoying it? I've been really enjoying it, but like I know where it was heading and they have rushed up the book timeline. Like by the time you hit episode three, you're at the 250 page mark of the book where it does it kind of big twist. So they've changed a lot. So I'm really interested to see where it's going whether it sticks the landing in the last five episodes is up in the air. Cause I don't know how they're going to manage to pull this one off. Cause they can't exactly end it the same way the book does. Cause the big event in the book that happens on day six, they just shifted one of the main parts of that event to the end of episode three, which is like day three, I think. So it's like, how are they going to do this? But there's it's a lot a- added. So I think they've got a plan, but. It is interesting because this uh, this has been called like this Night Before Strangers hasn't been looked upon very kindly, but I think it's in this uh, shadow of the White Lotus where yeah. everyone has just watched this, loved it. And it is a, almost essentially kind of the same sort of deal of a group of people gathering together. Um, I will say for the performances, um, Nicole Kidman is pretty rough. Like it is this very strange thing she's going for that, I mean, I guess it's what the character is asking for, but it's a little bit odd. Um, and I'll highlight right now, Michael Shannon. Um, if you add up everyone else's performance, he is still like 700 points above everyone else. He is just like operating at some level that is just unbelievable, yeah. which is just, oh my God. I, yeah, I don't want to say anything because I don't want to spoil stuff, but wow, is it good. Mm-hmm. Is it, how many episodes is it? Or is it going to be, I should say? I think it's eight. Well, they really screwed that one up. Yes, yeah, so I don't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so confusing. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. I still have to watch The White Lotus. I haven't watched any seasons of anything in quite a while. Uh, and I feel like that's one that I really need to binge because everyone is just loving it. Uh, so. Funny enough, I like Nine Perfect Strangers better than The White Lotus so far. But we'll you see. gave a 10 out of 10 to Tomorrowland, Darren. So I know. I, my for... opinion means nothing. It's fun to do that now. Always need something. I need a jab, you know?
Hey everyone, it's Sean from Math Teacher Movies, and I'm here to talk about my weekly column at GuyAtTheMovies.com, Awards Watch with Math Teacher Movies. Each week I go deep into a topic about the Oscars or Emmys, whether it be from the past, present, or future. Read these columns every Monday on GuyAtTheMovies.com to know way too much about awards. The following column has not yet won any awards, nor will it help you win any awards, but this has not stopped it from still being a totally awesome column. Um, all right, so we are going to get into movie news here, and we have quite a lot of Marvel news to get to. Darren, I'm going to start with you on this one, but Anthony Mackie has officially signed on to star in Captain America 4. This was, of course, first teased after uh, the conclusion of The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. There's no word yet on whether Sebastian Stan will be a part of the film, although he's very happy for Mackie on uh, Instagram and Twitter. Mm -hmm. um, and Chris Evans is not believed to be involved. The reason that is of note is because he has been rumored to be tied to an upcoming project. If you remember, I think it was back in January. That was all the, the talk of had he signed on to a uh, another project and Feige saying like, no, and you know, them all denying it, which made people believe, okay, then it's happening. Um, but it's not this, which I really like because I feel like it's going to give him a little bit more room to breathe and play with the character. Uh, but, of course, this is being directed uh, uh, by – oh, my gosh, I'm forgetting who it's directed by. Is it Malcolm Spellman or is he writing it? He's writing, I believe. He's writing it. We don't know who's directing it yet, I believe. I think that's where it was. It's the team behind Falcon and Winter Soldier, Malcolm Spellman and uh, Musan that yes. are writing it. So, Darren, what are your thoughts on this? Are you excited for this movie and where do you think it will fall? I'm excited. I'm not surprised by this news at all because we knew Captain America 4 was coming. So it's not like they were going to recast Anthony Mackie. Marvel was going to say how much and then they were going to pay it. <laughs> There's no doubt in my mind that this was happening. In terms of timeline, I think it's going to be phase five. I'm wondering, because I've been hearing rumors that Secret Wars is starting to happen. That they're looking at that as potentially phase five. So I'm wondering if this will kind of be a lead in for that somehow or if it picks off where the show ended with you know Sharon doing her shady stuff with whoever she's working with and they're going to address that or if that's coming up sooner I would be I would I would actually like Chris Evans to show up for a small cameo in this one I think it'd be at the end of the film after Sam's done his whole journey and everything to have that moment with Steve to kind of reflect on what it means to Captain America and their shared experiences um, for his other appearance, I have a very wild rumor uh, theory about that one. I don't think he's showing up as Steve Rogers at all. I think he's showing up potentially in Doctor Strange as the Human Torch from the Fox Fantastic Four. I could see like a fun little joke with the multiverse as that. Oh, I love that. <laughs> that's nuts. <Yeah. laughs> I'm into that. Quick 10 seconds, but just, you know, I bet that's one of them. Because I believe he denied, no, he's not coming back as Captain America. I think that was the wording, if I remember correctly. See, and I was wondering if this is a, a wild theory here, um, and I don't have much behind it, but I'm wondering if, you know, when he goes back in time and he's spending his life with, uh, uh, with Peggy Carter and all that, if he ends up getting recruited by Hydra and ends up being the bad guy in Captain America 4. I was wondering, like, how they could play that and that that could be a really interesting twist mm. because there are storylines where he hands, yeah. uh, heads over to Hydra. but. I don't know. Sean, um, you are our resident Hydra uh, 
<laughs> please Solid. finish. Yeah, please finish with whatever that's going to be. <laughs> what do you think about this news? Um, I mean, I was kind of like, I was very surprised to hear it because I figured it's kind of a done deal. Like, you'd, you'd think you'd have this guy locked down already. <laughs> like, um, especially with uh, what happens at the end of um, uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier. Um, I mean, I love the news, obviously. This is perfect news. Please change the costume. Uh, just like way too much white, way too bright. It, 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 it freaks me out. It, it was aesthetically unpleasing for me. Um, but uh, that was my big issue. Um, I feel bad for Chris Evans because uh, when Chris Evans listened and listens to this podcast, he's just going to be like, I've just written and I'm starring in this indie film uh, that you guys did. It's like, you know, no, we're going to see you as the enemy in Hydra. <laughs> I think he wants to move on from Marvel um, desperately. And I guess he could still do cameos for fun or something, but there is something where I think he really does want to like, you know, he, he's grateful for what happened. <laughs> like to what well, he's grateful for what Marvel gave him, but he is, he is sort of like a very, very like, you know, artiste kind of guy. Like when it comes down to it, if you see his other movies, he'll, he'll go to something that's like a little bit more off the beaten path. And I think he'll want to try to explore that more or he'll, be in a uh, recent movie uh, as a cameo, <laughs> which I won't say the movie, um, but uh, <laughs> it's uh, it could go either way. I mean, have we talked about uh, the uh, there was a throw uh, maybe a throwaway line at the end of Falcon and Winter Soldier where they said, and I've I read up on this theory that uh, Captain America's on the moon because there's a moment where he says, "I'm Captain Anthony Mackie comes in and says, "I'm Captain America," and some old business guy's like, "I thought he was on the moon," and then I know there's like side stories where Captain America chills on the moon for a while. And maybe that could be the, you know, Chris Evans that goes back in time and he's chilling on the moon if we want to throw him back into this movie. <laughs> I, wait a minute. Wait a minute. This is big. Do I know a comic book thing? And you, That's not possible. I might. Are, you, are you reading this on Reddit again? <laughs> no, this was from a podcast, <laughs> The Ringerverse. It was they talked about Captain America being on the moon. And there is a line where they say that it's something. Yeah, it's Captain multiple America. points in the series. It's the first episode. They say that a few times too. It's the ongoing. It seemed like it was a joke, but maybe you're onto something, Sean. <laughs> if they say it that many times, I mean, you know, like possibly, but um, but I appreciate you uh, acknowledging my ridiculous comic book fan theory. Uh, <laughs> thank you, Darren. <laughs> I so I just googled it real quick, <laughs> and I'm on Cinema Blend, um, and. They're saying they believe there's some truth to it. They believe Steve Rogers, the old Captain America, is out in space. Look at this guy. Look at this guy that normally <laughs> stays quiet during all the comic book shit. Hell yes. What? <laughs> um, okay, I'm trying to I'm, – I'm looking over this real quick, so I'll return back to this after uh, the next story, <laughs> which, Sean, I'm going to you with. We know we're getting an Ironheart series on Disney+, Plus, but we have since learned that prior to the debut of the series, um, actress Dominique Thorne will make her Marvel Cinematic Universe debut in next year's Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Uh, she'll play Riri Williams, who is Ironheart, uh, and that is currently being filmed now for a 2022 uh, July 8th, 2022 release, pending <laughs> gestures broadly. Um, Sean? Big Ironheart fan. I don't know anything about Ironheart. I think I think uh, she's on the moon. Um, <laughs> uh, Mission so, <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> oh, all right, there we go. Um, so, like, I love the idea. I, I unfortunately don't know anything about this comic book character, but from a um, TV to cinematic standpoint, I think it's very wise to introduce someone in a movie and then give them the TV show. I think it gets a little bit tough with the TV show uh, to bring them in. Um, and we saw that with uh, most of our uh, Marvel Disney Plus uh, properties, uh, all of them. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, um, we have a few characters that are introduced, but the main characters are from movies. So we have that establishment. Um, I think this will be a very interesting way where this will most likely, I don't know how Wakanda forever is going to be structured. If it's going to be like, I think it's going to be a lot of main characters, not a lot of main characters. Are they focusing in on someone? Um, I'm not exactly sure how that's going, but I do know that like, you know, if they are having this iron, iron heart seems like would be a uh, side character that'll be introduced in the movie slightly. And then it would be cool to have, like, you know, we'll be a little bit more comfortable getting into that series because we're like, oh, we know this person. So that could be interesting, even though I know nothing about this comic at all. But that's it. Yeah. Darren, are you in the same uh, uh, avenue of thought there? Um, little different, actually. Like, Sean, I don't know much about this character. So I'm going, okay, great. We're getting some introduction beforehand, which is nice. Um, I just question if this is the right film for that. Because Wakanda Forever has a lot to deal with and introducing a new character for more than just one scene to give that character the proper amount of time. Because obviously they're going to be dealing with Chadwick Boseman, which is going to be a huge focus of the film, whether it's being addressed throughout or it's just kind of looming there. It's going to be, I just question if this is the right project. I would have liked to see her introduced in the um, War Machine show. I thought that would have been a bit better of a fit. Have her in there with Don Cheadle, six episodes over Disney Plus. But I'm never against Marvel for introducing new characters. I just hope it's small, like Spider Man and Civil War. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. I, the one thing I do like about this is I think with some minor character, more minor in the comics and lesser known, that it is nice to give them some familiar characters to sort of establish themselves with before sending them off and we learn more. I do like that. Um, of course, we didn't have to worry about that with WandaVision, Loki, and Falcon and Winter Soldier. Uh, but with characters like this, it might be the case. All right. I, I'm excited for it, all for it. Got to go back to this theory about Chris Evans on the moon because my mind is now running. Um, and here is what I'm thinking. So they reference in this article how we know that there's a lot of stuff going on in space, right? We know that um, Nick Fury is in space monitoring. He's with the scrolls monitoring threats. In WandaVision, a scroll comes down and uh, recruits Monica Rambo at the end to go to space. Um, maybe there is like a base or something up there that is, uh, you know, getting ready for whatever is coming and monitoring some threat. And Old Cap is up there uh, because one of the things that they point out in this article as well is that, as we know from uh, the Falcon and Winter Soldier, when it comes to the super serum, the super soldier serum, um, it doesn't necessarily wear off when you get older, right? Mm -hmm. um, we learned that with Isaiah Bradley. So he could be up there uh, being a part of whatever's going on. And Darren, you mentioned Secret Wars earlier, and I wonder if there's some sort of overall connection there. Mm -hmm. um, and remember, we're getting a Secret Invasion, invasion. Yeah. as well. So I'm like... My mind's running now. Sean, good for you, buddy. <laughs> I, I was, well, now I'm going to get dumb again because I was just about to ask, is there a secret wars and a secret invasion? Yes. That's fucking silly. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, what are we doing here? <laughs> Listen, 
the comics have been around for a long, long time. Okay, you I know you retread at some point. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, what word have we not taken yet? Oh, invasion. Okay. Speaking of retread, we're about to retread last year. It looks like where movies are getting moved from the fall and potentially into 2022. Uh, so um, Vulture calls this. <laughs> Calls 2021's not so hot back summer, which I enjoy um, of week ticket sales. But basically, we had learned a couple weeks ago that Venom, uh, Venom, Let There Be Carnage has been delayed until October, and now it's looking like they are about to delay it to January of 2022. The what Vulture is hearing is that last night at CinemaCon when Sony had its presentation, the reason why there wasn't any that's the reason why there wasn't any Venom. Uh, footage shown and that they're waiting for CinemaCon to end before they push that because you don't want to get all the theater owners together and be like, we're going to be fine. We're delaying movies. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, that's happening. Uh, we also have the news that the Adams family is now opening on VOD as well as in theaters. So a dual release, another family film that I think they're getting a little nervous about with, uh, you know, kids getting sick as well now. Um, and the Delta variant looking horrendous. Not to rib on Florida while we're here, but um, you know, uh, if we have to get rid of a state, that's one of the ones that I volunteer. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> but they, eh. not um, bad. I mean, like if we're gonna do up the fifty, I mean, <laughs> I think it was yesterday that they recorded the highest one day total of COVID cases in the entire length of the pandemic. Um, so you know, things are good down what? here. <laughs> yeah. 20, oh, yep. 21,000, I think it was. Yeah, Darren, oh down here we're having races. It's, you know, <laughs> <laughs> it's just great. Things are great. Things are going yeah. very, very well. Um, but, you know, I, I don't know that we need to discuss this much longer, but we've talked in the uh, past episodes about how we're starting to see sort of what happened last time, right? We see some movies getting pushed here, some movies getting pushed there. The interesting thing with this is that um, Mobius gets, or Morbius gets pushed uh, again. <laughs> Who wants that movie? I'm sorry. Uh, I, listen, you know what? This is kind of like how I'm not comparing it to the New Mutants, but it's kind of <laughs> like it was with the New Mutants, where like it got pushed so much that I'm like, I'm gonna see this movie because I'm starting to feel bad for them. Yeah, you know, like and I, I want to see what it's about. I'm intrigued by Morbius as in terms of how it can fit into uh, the former Spunk <laughs> um, and the now Sony Spider-Man universe. Um, so I don't know. I'm sorry, but I only can allot myself one Jared Leto a year. Last year was Little Pretty Things. Um, <laughs> That's not what it was called. Uh, that was this pretty, year, Sean. Pretty Little Liar Things. Year. Yeah, that was this uh, year. According to Oscar yeah. year. Um, <laughs> I, I only go by Oscar year. Which is um, a joke. Then, <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's forget that happened. <laughs> then we got uh, House of Gucci this year, which I guess I'm going to see. Um, and so I can't, I can't watch mo more Mobius until, uh, you guess you're going to see house of Gucci. <laughs> oh boy. Well, we talked. Okay. What's your problem with house of Gucci? A lot. <laughs> it looks terrible. I think it looks great. Did you watch the same thing? and house of Gucci as an Italian. I feel like, I mean, I feel offended and the makeup they have on there. They use 17 pounds of makeup on every actor. I, it's, it's have you ever seen these people in real life? <laughs> I mean, like, hire people who look like that. <laughs> like, I'm not. Wow. I don't know. It, and he's our mind. Oscar guy. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, and watch best makeup. That's it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm actually talking about that in my column on guyatthemovies.com. 
Your next wait next week is a makeup column. No, I'm t- stop it. Now it is. <laughs> Don't react like that, first of all. No, it's about the two Ridley Scott movies coming out. Oh, okay. Yeah. See, see, that's uh, everyone's gonna the love other it. Be, the other being the last duel, right? Yep, that one's gonna go well too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's, I'll see how Saguchi. The other one, I don't think I'm risking the pandemic. <laughs> Listen, same. All right, uh, let's switch over to DC here. Uh, the DC news is that Warner Brothers continues to be on the pulse of what everyone is asking for. Is Henry Cavill coming back? Uh, we're not going to answer that, but here, take this Black Canary film. Um, which, hey, I'm excited for. I know there's a lot of people that have been looking for it. Journey Smollett is a great actress. Um, so what we get here is Lovecraft, Lovecraft Country's Misha Green um, will be helming the film. That is going to be an HBO Max film. So along with Blue Beetle and Batgirl, they really seem to be building up the HBO Max uh, corner of the DCEU. Kind of fun that they're diving back into the Birds of Prey. I think that would be great. It gives some opportunity potentially to see some of the other characters back in some way. Um, but there's also, you know, of course, uh, Black Canary has her own sort of uh, potential characters to interact with. So I'll, I'll be interested to see what how they use this, if it really is just a total standalone um, or if it is something that uh, has an impact in the DCEU, which I think still exists. Um, you know, the Suicide Squad, it was in DCEU, according to James Gunn. Um, I, I don't know what the DCEU is anymore. I, but, uh, I, I think it, I think it's called the DC EU. <laughs> yeah. DC, that's, that's something. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't want to be rude about this movie. I'm, ex- I'm looking forward to it. I will watch it. I love DC. I thought she was great in Birds of Prey. It still continues to piss me off that I feel like Warner Brothers is just neglecting some of the larger questions that are still out there about what the future of the DCEU is going to look like and how they're going to clean up the continued mess of the Snyderverse stuff. I mean. I literally, this, I don't know if I wanted to put this out there, but I am. Um, I literally muted, uh, released the Ayer cut and released the Snyder cut today on Twitter because I feel like ever since it's been accomplished with the Snyder cut, which I was very much in support for as or support of, as everyone knows, I feel like it's taken a turn and it's now more vitriolic against Warner Brothers um, and less about uh, the actual causes at play. But I digress. Um, I, you know, again, I'm concerned about the larger DCEU. However, Darren, I feel like you're excited about this movie. Um, I'm excited. It was, you know, not at all what I was expecting to hear from Warner Brothers, but <laughs> never is with Warner Brothers. You open up the news and you go, oh, Warner Brothers, what are they doing now? Because it's not what you expect. And I don't remember coming out of Birds of Prey going, I want a Black Canary film. As much as I enjoyed Black Canary in the film, I thought Journey Smulet was great. And I'm all for Misha Green writing this. I'm all on board with the creative team, but it's just like, I'm just confused. Like, are we going to keep doing all these offshoot films on HBO Max that aren't going to theaters? So it's, you know, questioning what they see as their theatrical vision for their biggest property at Warner Brothers. And, you know, I'm, I'm excited, but yeah. <laughs> Sean, as our DC scholar here, <laughs> um, one of the things that I think is interesting here is 
what their intent is with these films. So we know that we have Marvel that has done really well with introducing characters that are lesser known or lesser uh, uh, utilized in film or TV. Um, DC kind of has a different approach there. Uh, well, definitely has a different approach, but has a different uh I won't even call it a problem, but a lot of these characters have been in existence in the DC television universe, especially in Arrow. Black Canary has been in Arrow. Black Canary was in Smallville. Um, so, you know, there are opportunities that maybe we get Green Arrow finally through this in some way. Um, spinoffs like that. Charlie Hunnam for Green Arrow, by the way. Uh, Sean, I don't know what your thoughts are on this. I don't remember. I don't even think you saw Birds of Prey, right? Oh, I love Birds of Prey. Oh, okay. Um, and I think Black Canary will be on the moon for this one. But um, I uh, look at this and uh, I see that, uh, yeah, Birds of Prey I thought was a like great, very underrated uh, DC movie. Um, I think putting Misha Green uh, behind the camera for this is just like a brilliant stroke of genius because like they handle the sci-fi, the fun action. Um, Lovecraft Country was a weird show, a very divisive show. Ended pretty poorly, in my opinion, but like still had some great standalone episodes where if you close it down to a movie and, you know, a pretty simple comic book character type of movie, I think it could be really interesting. I wonder where they go with this. Uh, I'm going to go a little bit different on where the DC stuff is going because I, I, you know, as the resident DC expert, I'm not that at all. And um, <clears throat> it's uh, like I, I don't know where it goes with that. Um, I don't know if like the fans are being listened to. It seems like they are not. And instead they just respond with something like this. And I think this could be something great. The problem is, you know, you two are very open-minded and you're excited for this, but there'll be a, um, there'll be an anger towards this film an unnecessary anger because it doesn't do what is necessary. And that's, that's just a shame. And that's something that, you know, a general population has to like work on as well as a uh, company. When it comes to DC, and we think about, you know, yeah, the Black Canary has been in several other uh, TV shows and properties. Um, DC does kind of not care about an EU or a U in general. Um, I think that, you know, it seems like MCU is something where like they everything is precious in this from the TV shows to the movies to everything. And granted, that started with Iron Man. There was Marvel stuff before that. But um, I think that I just always see different stories, different characters, and there doesn't seem to be a plan. And I'm not even talking, well, I guess I am talking about, you know, the Snyder cut and how like that just kind of went, went astray. And then they decided to go astray with that. I mean, I'm talking about literally like when this was happening, the Joker film, and that has been far yeah. off considered something totally different anyway. But I remember thinking, I'm like, Oh, so they're just going to do movies about characters and they're just going to kind of have their fun with it. And it almost seemed like, it's like, you know what? That almost could be kind of fun. So we get this black Canary movie it may not connect with anything except for essentially Birds of Prey uh, because it's the same actress. But other than that, it really might not connect with anything at all. So do we do something that is an original story with Black Canary? Do we do after what happens in Birds of Prey? I, I kind of almost want to see the original story. I want to see where, like, you know, like, what, what do they call that? Or origin story. Um, I want to almost see an origin story there. And that would be, like, something interesting. If you're going to be DC, where you're not really going to care about, like, you know, this cohesive story that's running around and connecting it all, have some fun with each movie. Make it a little bit interesting. But it's, it's a shame that we, like, aren't getting what the people want also. Like with with a cavil and and maybe like you know Snyder coming back even though he has turned tail and run as fast as he can away. <laughs> <laughs> Who can blame him? Um, oh yeah, no, don't blame him at all. Yeah, <laughs> it's. I've been wondering. This is 
digressing a little bit, but I've been wondering if they will try to do anything with like the aftermath of Justice League, right? Like they there's a good template there to play with. It doesn't have to be as dark. It doesn't have to be as whatever, but you introduced th- probably DC's biggest villain there. Are you going to do something with it? Darren's shaking his head and I agree with him. I don't think they're going to. <laughs> Not a chance, um, yeah. <laughs> I don't think Hama- I don't think Walter Hamada is going to put it that way. Uh, I think that there would be there could be a push to do something in the future and explore some of the stories, maybe even uh, the nightmare sequence and stuff, because that was pretty well mm-hmm. received with Joker. But um, Sean, I was thinking origin story as well when you were talking and yeah. seeing how she ends up with Ewan McGregor's black mask mm-hmm. um, and all that would be pretty fascinating. We could get Ewan McGregor at the end of this thing. Oh, get Ewan McGregor back as black mask. That was just lovely. Yes. <laughs> all right. Big Brother Addicts, this is Liz from Pop Goes the Movie, and I'm here to tell you about my recaps of our favorite and most addictive show, Big Brother. But first, in order to read my bi-weekly recaps, you need to head on over to GuyAtTheMovies.com. In my recaps, I'm not only discussing what happened previously on Big Brother during the CBS show, but also what's going on in the live feeds from inside the Big Brother house. Who won HOH and the veto, and will it keep the house guests safe from going home? Be sure to check out my recaps after Sunday's show and Thursday's live show to find out. This is Liz from outside the Big Brother house wishing all of you happiness and joy. Speaking of coming back, Beverly Hills Cop is coming back and we're getting a fourth one. It is going to be shooting in uh, Beverly Hills um, and looks to be happening soon. There was a rumor for the longest time that it was actually uh that it was happening it is now set at netflix with eddie murphy returning as axel foley sean yay or nay oh nay um i think that uh you know oh my god so easily nay um i I don't like to do that i don't like to do i don't like to like close the film immediately even though it's the fourth film of a comedy that only needed one um but in this case the like yeah two was not good and some people get mad at me for that like I, I've gotten arguments about Beverly Hills Cop 2 um, like being a very, very poor movie. And it, it truly is. Uh, three, like that, that's the thing. You make three. You make something like Beverly Hills Cop 3. And what, what do you think? More? Like let's let's try that out again where he's like chilling in an amusement park the whole time. Get out of here with that. And so then, you know, like th- this doesn't seem great. I mean, you know, we got recently got a long awaited sequel to Coming to America that was also very, very unsatisfying to me, um, mm-hmm. which played like the hits of the original, which I enjoyed it. <laughs> <laughs> and th- this is the problem is I enjoyed it as well. I-, I sat on the couch clapping when they did all the original jokes. And then like I sat there and I'm like, oh shit, they did all the original jokes. <laughs> like, it was just kind of, I was like, you didn't give me anything except for Leslie Jones. So it's great. So bring Leslie Jones onto this picture and then we may be okay. Yes. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's unfortunate that they're doing something like this. I don't want to be like the righteous cinephile that says stop remaking like things or making sequels to things. But in this case, I can't see this being good. Um, Eddie Murphy, you know, hey, as a, as a gentleman who's uh, gained some weight as well, um, he's he's packed on the poundage and he looks pretty old. I don't think like he passes a cop um, like anymore. I don't know how they're going to really like pull this off. It seems very like the whole thing seems odd. It seems misguided. Uh, I'm, I'm out. Uh, I'm out completely. 
They were able to do it with Martin Lawrence and Bad Boys for Life, so... <laughs> Somehow that did work, yeah. I don't know why that worked. But, <laughs> but that's also a much more solid series of films. So, and newer. Like, and newer, true. Good yeah, point. Yeah. So, Darren, thoughts? Well, when I read the article 20 seconds ago, I was surprised it didn't announce Beverly Hill Cops 5, because we all know that's coming next. It went to Netflix. They have an option for a sequel everyone will watch it because they'll recognize the name it's going to be a big hit so we're going to get there for three days five. yeah in three days it'll be their highest watch film will beat out army of the dead and everything they've ever made of course because everything does um Seven billion viewers every time yeah. i i'm not excited for this at all i have made the decision never to watch two and three because the first one does not need to be redone um you can bring back 80s films. It has been done successfully with some. I think the trick is you don't bring back the original cast in the starring role. You do something new and different. You have them pop up for their cameo. And this is going to be the Eddie Murphy show start to finish. And I will sit there. I will watch it. But I'm not going to enjoy that. I could enjoy it. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that about sums that up. <laughs> That was really mean just now. I know. <laughs> I love that we both hit it though. Like, yeah. I mean, it's, but it has to be said, right? It's certain, yeah. um, uh, it's streamers trying to go back to the well on older projects and they're able to get the stars for cheaper because the stars aren't doing much anymore in certain cases. I mean, Eddie Murphy especially is just like out there hanging out, uh, made all of his money with, uh, you know, of course the plethora of comedies, but then kind of, I, I, I was going to say finished up, but I feel like Shrek, like he made a shit ton of money when it came to the donkey. And then yeah. after that, it was like Norbit. Norbit, right. <laughs> Don, donkey, yeah. sorry. When it came to the donkey, yeah. I said donkey again. He, uh, he seems like he wants to like bring, like bring back that comedic energy that he had in the 80s. And I think I, I look at um, the, the most prominent uh, moment of that was uh, when he hosted SNL, I believe it was one or two years ago. And uh, it was like the first time I really like, you know, saw him like have that 80s Eddie Murphy again. And he was he was old looking and stuff, but he still yeah. brought that back. And so I think he has the ability to bring that back. I just I have yet to see it in his rehashing of old movies. Yeah, I'm with you there. Uh, before we get to our last story, some breaking news. Not really breaking news, but just a heads up that the Warner Brothers CinemaCon panel is starting in just a few minutes. Uh, and I'm wondering if we're going to get a Matrix 4 trailer tonight uh, because we are in that time frame as well. So we have Dune coming. Yeah. We have Matrix 4. We have the Batman. Uh, and we also you know, have other DC projects. So maybe some Black Adam footage and a sizzle reel or something like that. Mm -hmm. But um, Warner Brothers, that's a big presentation. So we'll see what happens there. Perfect time for us to release a pod. Yeah, perfect time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, totally nothing new will come out tonight. Yeah. Um, so let's It'll be Matrix, not the DC stuff. That's going to be for fandom in that's October. They're saving totally that. Right. Yeah. Totally right. I'm with you there. Um, all right. So let's talk about the last story here, which is one I think is pretty fascinating. Uh, so I'll give you the rundown here. New Regency has acquired a new film per deadline that is based on a Vanity Fair article called The Church of the, Li of Liv of the Living Dangerously. Wow. The Church of the Living Dangerously. Christian Bale is going to produce and star. Uh, and it is quite the story here. Um, so essentially it's about, in summary, a 
drug smuggling pastor. Um, it, he became the pastor of the Living Hope Church. The guy's name is John Lee Bishop. Um, there's a Bengal tiger involved in sitting next to the bully pulpit. Bully pulpit. <laughs> um, the the pulpit. Uh, and long story short, uh, he was caught in an affair with a church employee and then had a raging painkiller and drinking problem. Uh, his son developed a meth and heroin habit. Um, long story short, he was smuggling drugs for the Mexican cartel. I am fascinated by this story. And I, like, honestly, I think I'm going to read the article tonight. I am fascinated by this story. And when they said Christian Bale was attached to it, 100% in. That makes total sense to me. I am so here for it. Sean, what are your thoughts? Well, what's great about this, first of all, is that, you know, exactly, Christian Bale is attached to a character of this magnitude. And uh, I think what's important about that is not only that, you know, obviously Christian Bale is a great actor and can ground the craziness of this, like, character, which is which is big. Like, that's an interesting thing that Christian Bale can do is he can, like, take this crazy moment that's around him, all this stuff that's crazy and ground it down into something that's actually like, you know, a real person, which will be interesting with this because this guy does not seem like a real person. And so that'll be the interesting part. I also like when Bale plays, this is going to sound weird, normal people. And when I say that, I mean, <laughs> normal looking people, Christian Bale's not going to get fat for this role. Christian Bale's not going to get way too skinny for this role. Christian Bale's not going to like, you know, grow eight beards, like, you know, or shave or have crazy hair or like a false eye or something like that. Christian Bale is going to be Christian Bale. There's a reason Ford versus Ferrari worked in this performance. And that's why I kind of loved, like, I, I like seeing a Christian Bale. It's a little bit normal. Joe, you disagree. I'm not totally sure about that. Yeah. You think I mean, he's gonna... I... Well, I know it's a crazy character without a doubt. I, I, I mean like physical like properties. I just Googled a photo. So maybe you wait oh, to see a photo. Sean. <laughs> yeah. I was just going to do the same. Cause I did not do that at all. Um, my knowledge is of comic book characters at this point. Um, oh yeah, he's he's about to go. Yeah, Dick Cheney weight gain. Oh yeah, shit. Um, this is what and I was the hair. Exactly oh, gosh, yeah. And the hair. Yeah, I'm going to share yeah. that. Um, here yeah. you go. This is what that looks like. Um, yeah. Oh, that's going to be fun. Actually, that's going to be fun. <laughs> Never mind. No, he's going to have some fun with that. I, th this is a good. It's a good solid little weight gain. This is not. This isn't as bad as the Cheney weight gain. This is like. No. Oh th no! This will be a cool thing. I think this will go well. I mean, I'm feeling a little pressed here because uh, that's kind of my body type right now. But anyway, uh, Darren, <laughs> what, you stop it. <laughs> Darren, what are your thoughts on this? I'm excited anytime Bale takes a role like this. He's such a great performer. You give him something wild, he's going to do something wild. And count me in. I know nothing about this story, but based on that description, it's going to be crazy. And no one does crazy like Bale. That is spot on. Um, it is, it's going to be an interesting story. And it's also continuing sort of the trend of um, movies being made out of articles. Uh, so when you think about like the Monopoly story, um, the Monopoly heist, if you will, uh, that's actually, that was a TV series, but it's again, gonna, not a heist, but whatever it was, but it's also going to be a, um, a movie that I think Ben Affleck's producing might be making that up, but someone big is producing that. Um, so that will be fascinating, but a lot of Marvel news, a lot of DC news. And Lock Christian Bale. And Christian Bale. <laughs> a lot going on in the world of cinema. Let's hope that things um, calm down. I, I got to say, I want to bring up one other thing because I'm getting a little concerned about the box office. 
Um, and, you know, of course, health and safety, we would hope is that is paramount uh, to um, studios and all when they're making their decisions about when to release films. But one interesting thing that I saw happening was the Nighthouse, as an example, completely bombed at the box office. Um, did very well with critics and was very well received with critics and is a really good movie, by the way. Um, <laughs> Darren, you saw yeah, it too. I, I nearly <laughs> shit myself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can't tell me this stuff because I'm not going to go. Like, I'm, st- I'm already scared to see it. <laughs> it's beautiful. It's a beautiful film, John. You will love the deeper, personal, tragic story. It's great and it just makes it that much more scarier. <laughs> Yeah. But it's not it, it's not connecting with audiences, number one. But number two, it's also not getting them out to theaters. I think like this past weekend, the three newest releases were like down the charts in the U.S. Um, mm-hmm. and not really making an impact. So I, Delta being what it is, I'm concerned. Movies not making money during Delta, I'm also very concerned and wonder if we're in for another fall like we had last year where things are going to get pushed. So on I'm that happy note, oh yeah, I'm about to say I'm not surprised on the night house. So that was that was not well marketed. No, it's yeah. horror, and it's not something the general audience is going to connect with easily. It's a bit more art house horror. I hate yeah. using that term, but it's a bit more along that lines. It's not you know Halloween kills, stab stab, kill kill, blood blood. Yeah, but at least yeah. Bond isn't being delayed. They confirmed that yesterday at CinemaCon. Because they can't, they can't do it anymore. Because it's gonna, they need. I read nine hundred million to break even, so they can't do that. And I don't know what the UK is doing, but if the UK is doing okay, that's their big market. So they're not concerned about us in North America as much. The other interesting piece of that article, sorry, Sean, was I, I think Darren, we may have read the same one, but it was saying that a lot of the marketing for it's getting stale, and yeah. people are getting tired of seeing it. Which is another. That's a different dynamic I hadn't thought about when it comes to delaying films. Um, you have to show them something new and give people a reason to be excited for it. And people are not getting as excited uh, for Bond unless you're already excited because they've seen this, these clips and these uh, trailers. But Sean? I mean, I, I think there needs to be a better wording than like, you know, uh, like box office bomb. Because um, I think just with the Delta variant going on, it's just one of these things where, um, sure, I don't know what the Nighthouse would have done in a regular, like, no COVID world. Maybe it also would have bombed. But I think people would have been intrigued by something. Word of mouth would have built. And like people yeah. by the end of the weekend may have seen it. Maybe that week. Maybe um, instead it's kind of like, you know, a few people see it. They say it's really good. But the other people are like, well, I've never heard of this. I'm not going to go to the theater and uh, be riskier the big one like and this happened with suicide squad but suicide squad not only with that but also had the major caveat like not only with uh, the infections growing and the delta variant starting to happen but also you could sit down and watch it on hbo max in the u.s and it's like that was one of like the main things where it's like that's really tough to compete with like almost impossible to compete with um unless you're somebody that appreciates like being inside the theater and everything um, I think Shang-Chi is going to be, well, I mean, someone got in trouble for saying this, but it, it will be an interesting experiment for its release. And I think that's going to be one of the, like, I'm going to be, that that will be the box office that we look at the most. Because mm-hmm. if that one goes down, we know that, like, this is because of the variant. But then you once again say, wait a minute, that's not like a Marvel property that people know. And so perhaps that could be the reason. So this is, there's so many different variables around this one variant. And it, it just... 
oh boy, it's really tough. I, I have such trouble with the box office because the box office narrative is is scary now when they say like something where it's like, well, the Nighthouse failed, well, Reminiscence failed, and you know, who knows what Reminiscence? Once again, pre uh, pre COVID, who knows what Reminiscence would have done? It's impossible to really know. But with three stars, um, like that could have been something that like people went to see, and like it or not, they would like it would have had a bigger box office. Everything really just would, and um, yeah, that's that's the one thing where I, I get so like you know, it happened in the Heights. Um, I'm gonna just name yeah. a million films, so you just got to derail me. But like it was the same sort of deal where it's just like box office failure in the Heights, and I'm like, well, shit. Everyone I know saw that movie. <laughs> like they just all saw it on HBO Max, yeah. and so it's it's one of those things. Like, it gets a little bit. I don't know. It's a little wishy washy. I guess that's where obviously we don't have the answers here. And I think that's what the industry is trying to balance, right? Is, you know, the number one, the studios want to make money on these projects that they've had sitting for so long, especially the big ticket ones. Um, but what they're seeing is that when they release big projects like In the Heights or The Suicide Squad, uh, they're not getting the returns on them that they expected. So that's number one, an issue. Number two, uh, theaters are not seeing a profit the way that they want to slash need to. Uh, so that happy medium, especially as a pandemic continues to rage and people are getting afraid and people are starting to wear masks uh, more and, you know, the hopefully vaccinations continue to go up. But um, it's a scary time right now. And I don't know. I, I think we talked about it, uh, Sean. I think we were uh, texting about it. Deadline had an article about CinemaCon. Uh, and I think it referred to the industry as like the industry on the brink or something. Yeah. Something along yes. those lines. Mm -hmm. Um and it's a scary thing. I mean, the the business side of this is nobody nobody is making out like bandits here. And mm -hmm. um, I, I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do. Um, it's scary. Yeah, I guess it just needs to be. And I say this, I think, every episode. It's just like, I think um, like they always, like the business side. I'm glad you mentioned that with the business side because I never think like that. Mm -hmm. I always think about like just like the 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 the, the romantic side of it. I'm like, why does this look like called a failure or something like that? But the business side is obviously where, you know, the money talks and everything. I just don't think maybe they do, but like, I just feel like people above don't really acknowledge COVID and they're just kind of like, well, what's the problem here? Yeah. You know, I don't know. What's the problem. And they're all just looking at each other. I'm like, I don't, I, I, we don't know the answer obviously, but I, I don't know if the problem is being recognized. And that's the, like the weird part. And that, that's where I come off with the box office stuff. I think. Yeah. The funny thing is Free Guy was a success, though. It didn't mm -hmm. make much more than, you know, Jungle Cruise, Suicide Squad on opening weekend, but that was a success. And I look at that going, that was not original, um, original IP, not based on a comic book, previous movie, all that, how that would have done in a pre-pandemic world. Yes, it had Ryan Reynolds, but the marketing, the trailers weren't particularly appeasing to me, at least. I had lots of friends who kind of looked at that and went, it looks bad. But it's considered a hit. It had a, the best holdover in the box office for the entire pandemic. So I think it's it's a funny time. You can release some ones that are a bit riskier and have bigger success. And the numbers aren't necessarily what they used to call it success, but it's there. So without without a theatrical, I mean, without a um, uh, streaming release, mm -hmm. so yes. it was only theatrical too. Which mm -hmm. and I think that's part of the reason why it had a good holdover is because word of mouth was so big on it. And yeah. it was a surprise. It was genuinely, I think, one of the first big surprises of the year. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that that has something to do with it. But I wonder if enough. I mean, Jungle Cruise did well its first week and continues hanging out. But you also have The Rock and Disney, and you know, there's all those elements too. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I really don't. 
know where this is all going. There's because it's interesting. Like that's a great point, Darren. And then you can think of other movies that have failed in similar, you know, when they should have probably followed a similar model. And uh, I don't know. We should fix this for next week and just have a whole pod about like telling the industry what they should do. I've started taking notes um, and uh, I've uh, sent several uh, industry heads of the podcast. So, uh, you know, I didn't send Netflix because they'll be mad about the Beverly Hills cop talk. But uh, other than that, we're good. (laughs) Well, and also if they were on your live or your uh, live earlier and heard you uh, talking about he's all that a little bit. um, Jesus. (laughs) No, no, no. We're not mentioning that. But I'll be watching it this weekend. (laughs) Well, that that leads to top new releases this week. Um, so he's all that hits Netflix, Vacation Friends hits Hulu, No Man of God hits limited theaters and VOD digital, um, Candyman hits theaters, and The Witcher: Nightmare of the Wolf also hits Netflix. Um, so Candyman has been delayed quite a while. I shall be watching it in approximately fifteen minutes, uh, and I'm excited. <laughs> um, but I'm hoping that that does well. It might have another. It has more name recognition than the Nighthouse mm-hmm. would in terms of horror. Uh, but it's going to be interesting to see how that genre does in theaters right now. Uh, an August release is interesting for a horror property like that. Yeah, it was interesting that they did that because I think like you know the original plan possibly was you know they do the September le- releases for the horror for the Halloween rush and stuff. But going back to August, I mean. I mean, we're basically in September now. That's how I feel about it. But uh, I think uh, the interesting part of Candyman, it's that name recognition of Candyman. And then also, even though he's not directing, you know, Jordan Peele's on that poster. Yeah. And I think that like that, that'll that'll get a few butts in seats without a doubt. Not the biggest fan of Jordan Peele. We got to talk about this later. Now, yeah. y- your thing is us, though. It's not Get Out. No, because I never saw you, us. You never saw us? Mm-hmm. Because huh. I had no interest in it. <laughs> Try us. I wasn't huge on Get Out, and I liked us. Okay. Whoa, that's a that I like. like that I, I enjoyed Get Out. Like I was not like, was it the best movie that I saw that year? I was not on that level of thrown out. I was like, oh, you know, seven point five. I enjoyed it. It's really well written and very well done. But it wasn't, you know, my favorite horror movie. I I found us had a bit more rewatchability just because of what the story was. Mm-hmm. You kind of wanted to watch to pick up on everything the second time around. And what's his new one coming out called? Nope. Nope. <laughs> oh, the fact that it's called Nope is so damn funny. Like, that's just great. Yeah. Should be interesting. Darren, thank you so much for jumping on. Uh, where welcome. can people find you? Um, you can find me on Instagram at Darren Movie Reviews and weekly at guidethemovies.com with my Marvel recaps. Currently, it's What If. Next one should be dropping later tomorrow. Woo. I'm excited for that. Uh, yeah. I also have not watched What If yet. <laughs> Oh, it's it's nice and easy to watch. They're 30 minutes. Yeah. When I tell you that work has destroyed my watching habits the past week and a half, I'm like just starting to get back to it. So that's also on my list, depending on if I how long Candyman is and if I'm tired or not. Candyman's an hour and a half, I believe. That's what my ticket's saying for Thursday night, which I'm like, this seems a little short and I'm concerned, but oh well. <laughs> it's only an hour and a half? An hour? minute horror. Absolutely. I am in for this. Wait, that's concerning. Uh, it's just yeah. two hours online. Does it? Oh. <laughs> Damn it. I would be My theaters are lying to me right now, so it's all good. <laughs> They're only showing you the first three parts of it. <laughs> it's like you're going to lose the third act. Like, wait, what happens? <laughs> Oh my God. All right. See you next week. Bye. As always, thanks for listening. 
You can follow both Joe and Sean on Instagram at Guy at the Movies and Math Teacher Movies. New episodes of the Guy at the Movies podcast with Joe and Sean are available every Wednesday morning wherever you get your podcasts. Also, be on the lookout for special spoiler pods where we dive deep into the latest film releases. If you like what you hear, be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. See you next time.